Cause when all your dreams have fallen through And your plans come crashing in on you Don't lose hope no matter how it seems Cause faith will take you closer Faith will keep you safer. Faith will take you farther than your dreams. All right, let's pray together, and then Brother Chuck will come and uh, and lead us in in more worship. So let's let's bow our heads this morning in prayer. Father, we're grateful this morning as we enter this house of worship. Father, we're grateful for your faithfulness. We're, we're thankful for this, uh, this, this celebration that we just uh, left of, of, of the birth of your son, Jesus. God, as we enter even a new uh, a season of celebration, uh, as 2023 comes to an end and a new year begins, Father, we know that, that you already have knowledge and that in your sovereignty, you already are capable of understanding and knowing all things that wait for us in 2024. So, Father, may we be found faithful individually. May we be found faithful corporately uh, in, in the ministry of this church uh, in the coming year. Father, we're thankful for the blessings of this past year. Thankful for the privilege of being able to serve you uh, here at First Baptist Church. And so, Father, as our hearts and our minds are turned anew to a new year, uh, Father, we're thankful for the possibilities and the opportunities to serve you in new ways. Father, as this uh, worship service is, is offered to you as a gift uh, God, I pray that it's just blessed in, in your sight, that, that, it's, that, it's, uh, that it's pleasing to you. Father, that it seeks to glorify your name, that it preaches the gospel. Father, that it draws the saints closer together, uh, Father, in this assembly. Uh, Father, bless those among us that are traveling. Uh, keep them safe. Uh, those that are sick among us, Father, we, we pray that, that their health is restored to them again. Now, and Father, we thank you for just watching over us over this past, uh, this past week. Um, and Father, thank you for your blessing and provision. Father, as this service is now committed to you, Father, may you receive it in your grace. And we pray this in Christ's name. And amen. All right, next we're going to be singing Shout to the Lord, if you would please stand with us. It's hymn number 133. Bow down and the seas. Through. 
Amen. From that wonderful chorus comes Psalm chapter 8. The entire chapter, verses 1 through 9, is a great reflection on the goodness of God and how the praise of the saints is worthy of His goodness. Um, And so the psalmist, in response to uh, that praise, writes these words in Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Your name in all the earth, who have set Your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor." You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under heaven, or rather under his feet, all sheep, all oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Amen, church. May the word of God be read in the house of God this morning. Brother Chuck. For our offertory hymn, we are going to be singing when the roll is called up yonder. You can remain seated. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the road, when the road is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning, when the dead and Christ shall rise. Glory of his resurrection share when his chosen ones are gathered to their home beyond. 
lay before the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his fondness, love, and care. And when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the road, when the road is called up yonder, when the road is called up and turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 25. How about we start there? Maybe somewhere in the middle we'll meet and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll consider this a, a sermon and, uh, and then we'll dismiss. Um, anyway, I, I think uh, as I reflected on that song, I, I, I reflected back in 2023 and this sermon really is a reflection of, of 2023 and, and, and even really the, the look, looking forward into 2024. And if you want to put a bookmark, if your Bible is like mine, you probably got an old bulletin or you have a bookmark or you have something in your Bible that you can bookmark this chapter. Because we're going to be in this chapter for the month of January, probably, uh, in 2024. It's, it's going to be our destination, specifically, verses 14 through 30. Uh, that is the text that we're going to be, to be using this, this uh, month to, to really look at kingdom stewardship. And that's, that's kind of the overarching title of this sermon series is kingdom stewardship. Today we're just going to look at God's provision. Uh, we're going to look at the first two verses, 14 and 15 for today. Now, as we go through this sermon series, as the, 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 the presentation of this parable is, is preached, the purpose of the series is to do two things. One, reflect on uh, how FBC Union City has stewarded God's provision in the past, in this past year. And then two, explore new ways in which we can partner with the Lord in 24. I'm excited about what God is going to do for this church in 2024. I'm excited because of what I've already seen him do in 2023. And those two points, those two thoughts or reflections are are the main thesis or the main theme for this sermon series. My goal is throughout this sermon series is to, is to find areas that are praiseworthy, uh, maybe some praiseworthy reflections on, on how we stewarded God's provision this past year, but then also challenge the church uh, for the year 2024. I mean, there's certainly some things out in front of us uh, that God is aware of uh, that, real we, that will require this fellowship of believers to be good stewards of what God has given to us. Amen. I think that goes without saying. Um, none of us are in uh, May or June or August of next year yet. God is. God's sovereign. God knows. And so I want to look at, at new ways and challenge the church in some ways uh, to explore areas in which we can partner with God. Because uh, God is already at work in 2024. Even though we're not there yet, He's already working in 2024. Uh, this year ends with some of the things that will become complete in the year 2024. And so Matthew 25 is a great source of instruction for this. Now, in context, if we're just looking at it from a biblical perspective and we're looking at it in context, this parable is nestled in several other parables that the Lord uses to teach his discipleships on being good stewards, specifically of time and resources, both, by the way, of which 
are limited. Time and resources, the, the, Jesus uses in these parables to teach. Matthew 24 ends with the parable of the faithful and evil servant. It's a reflection on being found faithful when the master returns. Matthew 25 begins with the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Another reflection on being prepared and ready. By the way, those, those two things are different. Uh, one is to have everything in this place so that you're ready when the master comes. And that reflection is a good one. It's a worthy one. It's a, it's a worthwhile one because it sets up our parable today, the parable of the talents. This parable is a reflection of stewardship. How to wisely use what the Lord has given to you for kingdom work. Okay? And that's where we begin our text today. Let's look at this parable, verses 14 through 30. Let's stand and let's honor the reading of God's word by standing and reading it properly. Verse 14, Jesus says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then uh, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made five other talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he, had, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You, have, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, look, uh, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful this morning for this word. Father, for this text that has been read among your people. Father, bless it, break it, multiply it for the the spiritual nourishment it contains. Father, may you be glorified by its reading. 
And may our hearts be drawn closer to you through it. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Oh, that's quite a parable, by the way. That's quite a mouthful. It's, it's quite a, a long text. It's, it's quite a, a lot to understand, to be honest with you, which is why today we're just going to look at the first two verses and understand the introduction um, to it. Now, Jesus is teaching his disciples on how to take what God has given and, and use it wisely and use it intuitively so that it, that it gains return. That's the whole point. That's the, the idea of stewardship, is that God gives, we receive, we invest, and the kingdom is enlarged. That's the whole premise, if you will, to the parable of the talents. Now, he starts, though, with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. He also starts the parable of the wise and foolish virgins with the same phrase. And so we have to understand what it is specifically that we're being asked to do. What is the kingdom of heaven? Because in, 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 its, in its understanding, it's important. Oftentimes, the kingdom of heaven is used interchangeably with the kingdom of God. You'll see both. Oftentimes, in the Old Testament, it's the latter. And the kingdom of heaven is used oftentimes in the New Testament. But what is it? When, we, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, what is he referring to? What specifically does he want us to have in mind? Well, it's two things, really. First, it's the external kingdom. This is very technical, by the way. After I wrote this and I sent it to Miss Ann, I was like, well, that sounds like a theology class. But understand, I was off for a week and I was, my mind was thinking in very abstract ways. Anyway, the kingdom of heaven is first the external kingdom of Christendom upon the earth. Now, I know that sounds very technical, but what does that mean? Well, the kingdom of heaven is the culmination. It's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, the entirety of all Christians, of all churches, of all ministries, of all missionaries, and even activities of the Holy Spirit across the entire planet. It's, it's, it's you. It's me. It's First Baptist Church. It's every other sister church that joins it across the globe. I mean, it's God's people that are called according to His purposes, the plan that he has for them. The kingdom of heaven contains the word of God and the fulfillment of it in our lives, especially those who are being conformed to its words. The kingdom of heaven does not have national boundaries, right? It doesn't have a national primary language. It does not have boundaries of ethnicity or nationality. It is a kingdom ruled by Christ. It is a kingdom that does not fall under the jurisdiction of governments, courts, kings, or dictators. The kingdom of heaven is the entirety of the Lord's kingdom that he rules, that he reigns over, and that and all subjects fall under his authority. It is a kingdom As we come out of the celebration of the birth of Christ, it is a kingdom that was initiated by the ministry of Jesus and will be consummated at his return. Okay? When Jesus came as an infant child, he began a ministry. He began a kingdom because he was the king of kings born 
in a manger. He was this, the beginning of this ministry that, 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 that carries on to this very day. I'm sure that those in Jesus' circle and his disciples and even the readers of the early first century had no idea that the kingdom of heaven would go on for 2,000 years like it has. But here we are, sitting here in Union City, Tennessee, beneficiaries, citizens of this kingdom. Now, this kingdom will continue until the The Father in heaven decides that it's time for it to end and that he will return. He will send his son Jesus to return to the world where he will reign and rule as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The external nature of this kingdom means that it is visible and we can see it. That we can touch it, that we can, that we can, that it really ultimately is the visible representation of Christ in our world today. And so when people look at us, when people look at our church, when people look at the ministries of of Christ, when people look at missionaries, when they look at institutions and denominations, anything that's involved in in Christendom, they are to be reflected back to Christ. We are to represent him in a visible way tangible way. Secondly, the kingdom of heaven is the internal kingdom of the heart. So if the outward, external representation is us, there's this internal kingdom that Christ is building in our hearts. This is very individual. It's very abstract and it's very intangible. The internal nature of this kingdom makes it invisible to the world. It's only personal. It's only known. It's only real. It's only tangible to the believer in which that kingdom grows. Right? And this is the kingdom of God that exists in the work that he is doing in the hearts of those who are born again. That's you and I as we sit here today. The kingdom of heaven grows inside of us. It's this this, this process of, of sanctification and justification that ultimately works for glorification. That God started in us when we were born again and has been building in us since. This kingdom is busy about conforming the believer to that of Christ. It's the work as, of sanctification. It's this kingdom that God is building so that it can expand outward into the world. Amen. Uh, I think it goes without saying for us this morning that if, if the kingdom of heaven never grows in our hearts, then it's certainly not going to grow in the world. Because as it grows inside, it, it grows and abounds to the outside world. Our hands, our feet, our mouths, our minds begin to become the tangible, the visible kingdom of heaven in the world. This kingdom of the heart, or rather this kingdom that's being built in the heart, is a special consequence to the Lord because this is where the rest of the kingdom is added unto. Now, understanding Jesus' meaning here, for the kingdom of heaven is like, understanding that matters because if we don't get that right, if we don't start right, then the rest of it's not going to matter. 
Because we're going to confuse it with other things. Our kingdoms or their kingdoms or the world's kingdoms or whatever. When, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, it's very uh, singular. It's, it's very specific. And the rest of the parable hinges on its understanding. Now, what is the kingdom of heaven like? Well, it's like unto a man traveling to a far country who called his servants, called his own servants, and delivered his goods to them. And in verse 15, after distributing talents each to his own ability, he goes away on his journey. Now, this is representative representative of Christ who built the ministry at his life, at his death, at his resurrection, and at his ascension, he went away. And at his ascension, he, tell, he told us that all authority has been given to him on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples and preach and teach all things that I've commanded you. He's given us a certain measure of talent. And I, we'll get to that word in, in more in just a minute. He's given to us a stewardship of his kingdom. And he's gone away on a journey to heaven. Where now he sits at the right, right hand of, of, of power at the throne of God and he intercedes on behalf of the saints. But one day he's going to come back just like he does in this parable. He's going to come back and he's going to wonder. He's going to ask. He's going to inquire about what we did with that stewardship. He's going to ask us, where, where, where we wisely or unwisely spent his resources, how we used our time, etc. Because the point to this introduction is to say the second part is that God is the one who rules his kingdom. Now, I know this oftentimes, we, we, especially in this modern world, we have, we have a misunderstanding or at least... Um, uh, we, we misjudge oftentimes in the ministry, especially, uh, God's kingdom versus our own. And, and I have even been guilty of that in my own life, in my own ministry, of, of, of blurring those lines and, and forgetting whose kingdom I'm working for. All right, Because everything around us, whether it's this church building, whether it's you all as believers, whether it's me and my pastorate and my calling, whether it's the missions or the ministries that we have involved in our community, whatever it is, it's all God's. It's all his kingdom, and he rules every single bit of it. Not Brother Ben, not the deacon staff, not, not the Sunday school teachers, not even you. God rules it. And when we understand that, when we have that proper perspective, then we become the servants. And that's this next point. That with that mentality, with that mindset that God rules his kingdom, that that he's sovereign over it, that he's master over it, that he's Lord over it, then we put ourselves in our rightful place and say, hey, oh, whoa, I'm just a servant. I'm not king. I'm not Lord. I'm not dictator. I'm not the judge and the jury of all things righteous or unrighteous. I am just a servant who's been given something by the king and told to do something with it. That's the point. In this first point, the servants are just called to serve. That's all. And I know there's a mouthful in that, and I know there's a lot to to know. And I, and I, I know it goes without even saying. But notice how Jesus 
says this in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. He called his own servants. He did all of the initiating. He did all of the, 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 the calling and the ministry. He did all of the placing and all of those kinds of things. This is to say that the Lord is the one who calls people to ministry. He knows who are his. And he knows what he wants them to do. And in the kingdom of heaven, servants serve. Right? They didn't come to be served, just like the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to be a servant of all. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you have to be the servant of all. Servants serve. They make it their sole mission to take what the Lord has given to them and serve at his ministration. They make it their point. Servants are interested in taking what the Lord has given them and to use it for His glory. They do not seek their own glory. Rather, they seek that of their Lord. Now, understand, and again, this is where the lines begin to get blurry in ministry. This happens way too often in ministry anymore. Is that this is my ministry. This is my church This is my responsibility. This is my, 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 my. No, it's not. It's the Lord's. You and I have just been given a measure of stewardship to take care of it. It's not ours. It's not mine. It's not yours. And we should not set about the ministry of the church for our own glory. And this could not be more noticeable than in the ministry. I don't know how many preachers... I mean, it's just a modern televangelist has really ruined this concept or really made a, made a mess of it anyway. I think I read the other day one of the, the, the richest televangelists in the world is like worth $80 million. $80 million. Does that, is that a lot of money to y'all? I mean, you were looking at let me like that was just pocket change. I didn't know. I was just wondering, you know. $80 is a lot to me. I couldn't imagine. $80 million. But, but 80, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a preacher. And, and all, for all practical purposes, a heretic. He uses the resources of the kingdom of God for his own glory and his own praise and his own wallet. And this is, this is not uncommon. This has been going on since what? This, the 70s, beyond? Call in, sow your seed of $100, and you'll be blessed by the Lord. By the way, if I ever say that, smack me. You have full permission. If, if Mandy hasn't gotten to it first. Because that's just it's insane. How we've gotten to the point that where we are, to, the, to, to where now it's like everybody has their own ministry and it's like a title and it's copyrighted and it's, it's like so-and-so ministry. And it's gotten ridiculous. It's gotten insane because everybody, when, when they walk around and they do their tours and they do this and they do that, everybody's looking at them and not God. Everybody's looking at, at who this man is and, and what kind of talent he has and how clever he is versus looking at the God who called him. Those who serve the Lord 
Those who serve the Lord do so with gladness. They do so with integrity. They serve God. Those who serve themselves do so with a certain self-righteousness. What they do is designed to bring honor to their names. How they do it is designed to merit praise from others. And why they do it is simple. They're building their own kingdoms rather than the kingdom of God. There's a parable on this too. That when the winds come, right, the waters rise and beat on that kingdom, it falls. And great, Jesus says, is the fall thereof. Because no kingdom that's built on the imagination of men or the cleverness of, of, of divine, or not even divine, but of intelligence or whatever, it's not designed to stand. Jesus calls these hirelings. Because typically these will run and flee when ministry becomes difficult. And that's because they, they flee, they run. Because they were never called by God to begin with. They called themselves. Huge distinction in the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of people that take up ministry who are no more called than that box of tissues right there. They'll do it, and they probably do a good job at it. In this world today, there's people that that are good orators. They speak well. They look good, and they have styled hair, and they have holes in their jeans, and they have all the intentions of the world to make a a big program and a big to-do and a a big fuss about ministry and all that stuff, and they're no more called to the ministry than a dog in my backyard. And they stand in ministry. Of their own self-righteousness. Calling themselves to a place that they are not equipped to serve. Servants of God, though, are not so. They steward what the Lord has given them and built, and, and they, they build rather the kingdom of God. They do so because all the things that are stewarded by, by God, they know intuitively. Doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the Lord. And notice how verse 14 finishes. Who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Don't forget, don't, don't miss those pronouns, by the way. Because that is the teaching. That, that all the servants of God know that the, that, the, that the goods that have been given to them belong to the Lord to begin with. It's not theirs. They've only been given A stewardship of it. You see, the truth about stewardship is that it requires an awareness that you are building the kingdom with what belongs to God. And that He is the only one who can give it to begin with. He's the only one who can give you anything in which to build the kingdom at all. And when we understand this, we don't look at the things of God that that He certainly blessed us with As ours, we look at the blessings of God, the providence of God, the provision of God. We look at all of those different things as His, not ours. And so when we meet to talk about them, 
And we discern what's, what's wise and we discern what's right and what's wrong. And we begin to work out the ministry of those things. We're not thinking about this is mine and I would do this. If it were mine, this is what I would do with it. We think about it if this is God's, what would he have us to do with it? Totally different things. And too much of ministry runs on the former than it does the latter. Because this fundamentally changes how we see the kingdom of God. It also cuts against the grain of human thought. Because we are conditioned to think that what ours or what, that, what, what is ours, is ours. But in the kingdom of heaven, nothing is ours but God's. Which brings us to our third point. Did we get through that second point? Yeah, yeah, we did. We got through that second point. Y'all look, so I got an iPad for Christmas. And it's new. And I don't know anything about it. And so when I was writing my sermon last night, I got almost all the way done with it, and then all of a sudden, it, half of it just disappeared. And I, I panicked for a little bit, for just a moment. And, and they might have heard me in the house going, no, no. And I fall on my way, you know, weeping and gnashing and wailing and all that kind of stuff. But then I was like, you know what, Lord, this is your sermon. It's already been written. It's, it's already been presented. You know all things. I trust you, and, 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 and we'll go from there. So I don't really honestly know where we are in this sermon. I think we need to go to the third point and go to that last one. There it is, God's provision. This gets verse 15. Verse 15 is, is an interesting verse because all of that other stuff was a preface to, to really get to set up this. Uh, if, if we see the kingdom of God as our kingdom, we've got off on the wrong foot. If we see the, the, the goods that, that, that are in our possession, money, time, people, whatever the goods are, if we see them as ours, we're off on the wrong foot. But if we see it all as belonging to God, then we see that the, that the provision that he gives to us is also his prerogative. He can do whatever he wants to with it. He can give it to whoever he wants to. He can give it how much he wants to. And that's what verse 15 tells us. And to the one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Now, in that text, a lot of people will look at this from an equity standpoint. Equity seems to be a big word in our world today. A lot of people will look at that and say, well, that's not fair. Why, why did he give one five, one two, and one one? That poor, that poor guy that got one, he needs to take five or at least two and a half or something from that and give it to that guy so that he, they all have the same. That's not how it works in the kingdom of heaven, though. God doesn't work like that. He certainly doesn't care about our idea of equity. All he cares about is giving goods to those that he can trust because it's his prerogative to this point God gives graciously uh, we, if, we, if we are automatically immediately just straight to well that's not fair then we completely miss the fact that he didn't have to do it at all he didn't have to do any of the giving. The, the Lord of this, uh, the master if you will before he went on his, his, his trip he didn't have to call any of his servants. He didn't have to give them anything. But for the sake of the kingdom, he calls them as servants to serve, to build, and to faithfully invest what he has already built. And so he calls them, and he graciously gives in this capacity. And God is gracious in this capacity. God looks down upon the, the, the kingdom of heaven and he is gracious because he wants us to partner with him to do good work. 
divine work, eternal work. And so much of our lives are consumed with, with, with building our kingdoms, with building our nest eggs, with building our stuff, and with building our own desires and interests that we forget about the kingdom of heaven that needs to be built. And be honest with you, the one that's going to last is not the one we're building. It's the one that will endure after we're gone. It's the people. It's the ministries. It's, it's the spirit of God, the words of God that we can partner with now. To do that work. Because that work will endure. That work is profitable. Not portfolios. Not other things. It's the profitable work of the kingdom. That we should be investing in. Because that work is meaningful. God is gracious. He's good in that he looks upon us at all. And trusts us with anything. I mean my goodness. I don't even half trust myself half the time. And if you work with me in any given amount of time, you would probably not trust me either. Amen, Miss Ann? You don't have to answer that question, by the way. That was completely rhetorical. But that's the nature of it. That's the deal. That's, we as people are, are flawed. We're, we're imperfect. We are, our judgment is sometimes error. We, we have incomplete thoughts. We have all kinds of... So how the Lord trusts us with anything is beyond me. But he does. He does all the time. And he does very graciously now for context the the talent that's mentioned in this phrase in this passage anyway a talent is a measure of weight depending on what you were weighing depending it depended on how what the talent was in this case it's money six thousand denarii to be exact that's what a talent was or a drachma whatever you want to whatever you want to use. To, to, to a laborer, 6,000 denarii was about 20 years' wage. Think about that. And th- especially when you think about how much the master was, was stewarding to these people. He gave one 100 years' worth of salary to invest. Did I do my math right? Okay, I got a few heads shaking. Look, I'm not a math guy. I'll embarrass myself on TV and all on Facebook, and, I, and people will be emailing me the t- Tuesday and say, hey, you, you were wrong on your math. I'm just saying. Uh, five times 20 is 100, right? To one, he gave 40 years salary. And to one, 20. I mean, that's, that's, that's an incredible amount of money. But he did it graciously. And to the second point, he did it sovereignly. Because this gets back to the point of equity. To one he gave five, and to another two, and to another one. Why does the master give accordingly? Why does he do this? What's, what's, the, what's, what's, the, what's the message here? Well, he tells us in this next part, according to his own Ability. In the Greek, this word ability, and, and I, I looked this up earlier, and, and, and I, had it, I had it written down, but this is what my tablet looks like right now. It's blank. So if you're interested and curious about what ability means in Greek, go, go look it up and you can know. Because I'm, I'm at the end of my notes, and I thought I had more, and I don't. But God knows in his sovereignty 
who he can trust with what. Okay? Obviously, in this case, the, the, the servant who received five talents had already proven himself that he was faithful. Because look, look, look back down at your Bibles, uh, and, and you can even look back into Matthew chapter 24, verse 47. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Well done, verse 21 in chapter 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. The one who had five talents had already proven himself to the Lord. He'd already been trustworthy. He'd already been found worthy of receiving that much stewardship. The one that had two, okay. He, he's still on his way, but, but the Lord trusted him with two, and, and he gave it to him. To the one who had one. Maybe he was just getting started in this, uh, in this new job, this new occupation with the Lord. And the Lord didn't really know his, 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 his skill sets yet, and so he only trusted him with a smaller amount. Because the servant had to prove himself. He had to show the Lord that he was trustworthy, that he was dependable. And it was according to their ability. Now, in the sovereignty of God, God knows what you and I are both able to do and capable of doing. God knows sovereignty and his sovereignty are the entirety of our lives. He knows what we're capable of. He knows what we're able to do. He knows what we can potentially do with talents and the, the stewardship that he trusts with us, us with. He knows all of those things. And so it's not for us to sit here as Christians and, and look at these, these, these gifts or these, 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 the stewardship of God and, and complain or grumble or, or get jealous about it. Because this is oftentimes what happens in the ministry as well. The, the minister who got one looks at the one who has five and says, well, that's not fair. God, God that's not fair. I, 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 I can do more. I, I should be able to be trusted with more. And then what happens is that, one, that guy with one talent gets jealous of the guy with five. And then this ministry becomes a competition, not a cooperation. And this happens far too often in ministry, is that ministry becomes a competition. Pastors begin to compete with each other. Churches begin to compete other because we're all looking at it from the wrong perspective that God is only blessing us with with what we are able to do now gentle reflection here as your pastor here at First Baptist Church I could not be more proud of you what you've accomplished through the Lord by the grace of God in 2023 God has, has, has done amazing work in this church in just the last year alone the ministries that we've been able to partner with the Lord in, the, the stewardship that, that, that we have been faithfully found in, makes me, it, 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 it makes my heart rejoice in knowing that, that God is pleased with what we're doing here. Not only that, but that he will find us more faithful in 2024. It's not to say that that's why we do it. It's just to say that as we are faithful, God will trust us with more. But not until we are faithfully found if we can't take care of what we got god's not going to give us more and everybody wants to live in this 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 mentality that more 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 we want more people we want more money we want more this we want more that when when we're not even taking care of what we got we can we ministry is like that And, and as as christians we ought to have that mentality god help me to be faithful now Help me to be faithful here. Help me to be faithful with what we got. 
so that you can bless us with more. Not for our sake, but for the kingdom's sake. My prayer for this church is, from the very beginning has, has, has been that it will be found faithful. That has been my prayer from the first day I walked into this door, from the first time I accepted your interim, from the first time I accepted your bivocational pastorate, and the second the third time I accepted your full-time pastorate. It's just weird how that works. But here we are. My prayer, though, has been that we be found faithful. Not by Union City, not by Elbine County, but by God. The rest of all that will come. It will all happen in God's timing. As we, as we faithfully steward what God has given to us now. Now understand that there comes a caution with this too. That as we are found faithful and as the Lord adds to and as the Lord has been adding to. He said we brought people here with new talents. Amen. To his glory. To, I, I'm, to, I know the guys upstairs appreciate it. They, they appreciate new talent coming in to be able to help with the sound stuff. And he, he's got us bringing us talent. And as he does that, more will be required from us. And we'll have to be faithfully stewarding whatever it is that more means. I don't know. I'm excited about it. I know there's challenges to it. I know we have to work. But with the right perspective, that according to our own ability, we can be faithful in whatever it is that we're doing. I have never and will never enter into an engagement of competition with our brothers and sisters in this community. I won't do it. Second Baptist Church and Crosswind and Calvary Baptist Church and the Methodist Church and the Presbyterian Church, they're all doing faithful service to themselves and to the, and to the kingdom of God, to the glory of God, and praise them for that. They're doing kingdom work. But there's things that they're doing that we just can't. Not yet anyway. There's things that we're doing that they can't. And it all works together for good of how God gives to each of his own ability. Let's never, ever, ever compare the ministry that God has given to us here. It's a steward here with any of the other ministries that are going on in our community. We're working together for the kingdom of God, not apart. It's not about numbers. It's not about this or that or the other. It's about kingdom stewardship. All we need to do here at First Baptist Church is be faithful in what God has given to us. I believe that we are. I believe there's still work to be done. I believe that there's already work taking place right now that needs to be taken care of. But to the glory of God, He knows in His sovereignty what our abilities are. And this sets up this last point. That God trusts His stewards, or rather servants, with His provision. After he had given the talents accordingly, he left. No hesitation. It says that he immediately left on his journey. Jesus, when he ascended to the right hand of power, he had no hesitation that he was leaving the kingdom of heaven in good hands. He had spent three, three and a half years teaching these 12 men how to disciple others. And that kingdom of heaven is in the billions today. All because God trusted us with what he gave us. I find that very fascinating. That 2,000 years removed from now, we'd sit here. And this narrative of history 
part of this story, part of this, this stewardship. The First Baptist Church is, is, is alive, it's well, it's strong, and God is at work here among us. We're part of the stewardship that started when God trusted the twelve, he trusts us too. If he didn't trust us, he wouldn't give it to us. These things are, are worthy They're faithful thoughts and meditations for us to consider as new opportunities emerge. They're coming. I know they are. I can can sense them. My spirit tells me within me to to, to, to buckle up because the Lord's going to trust us with things that we need to be found faithful in. As we go through the rest of these sermons, we're going to find that the Lord's going to ask us questions. He's going to do things among us that will challenge us. Uh, but, but in a good way, that God will take what we've done, bless it, multiply it for his glory and for our benefit. It's exciting times, I'm telling you, for First Baptist Church, as we work through this sermon series in, in January, it's exciting times for the church. I'm looking forward to seeing what God has for us in the coming year. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning as we bring this sermon to a close. Father, I'm thankful for the, the privilege of being able to stand here and steward your word. Father, I'm I'm grateful that those who are here among us have the privilege to steward your word as well. Father, that we can be doers of your word and not hearers only. God, that we can take this word and that that we can faithfully trust you with it. God, knowing that when we get there, that you'll be there, and that you'll have provided everything that we need to do whatever it is you would have us to do. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to this church, uh, Father, throughout the years, decades even. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness presently. And Father, we certainly thank you for your faithfulness in the future, because without you, we could do none of it. Father, as this message now comes to a close, Father, may may it glorify you, May it bless you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And amen. And all your dreams have fallen.